Uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. And can you believe we're already into March of 2022? We are flying through the year. But uh, it's a privilege just to, to share with you this morning. And um, we're just going to be continuing our theme of discipleship. You'll remember last week, John uh, kicked us off with the message of the call of discipleship, talking about um, the, the cost of being a disciple and um, the, the, the need to pick up our cross and to follow him. And so today, especially, um, it's especially kind of important as we're in a, with dedication Sunday this morning that we're, we're moving on with and we're talking about the expectation of discipleship or to put it differently, the responsibility for us as Jesus follows to go and make other followers of Jesus. And so the scripture we'll be primarily looking at this morning is Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20, which many of us might know as the Great Commission. So why don't you turn there if you have got your Bibles with you. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of provide a bit of context for you. This is literally the last recorded words uh, of Matthew. It's the right at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28. And at this point, Jesus has been with his disciples for three years now. He's, he's been pouring into them. He's been discipling them. He's been training them. He's been developing them. And then here he comes. He gathers them one last time. And here are his final words. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and know that surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's so much packed into that, and I just want to take a few moments and draw a few thoughts from that. Three points, looking at that discipleship is missional, Discipleship is about longevity and discipleship is about multiplication. First of all, let's look at verse 19 there. Therefore, go and make disciples. You'll notice that participle word, go. In light of the fact that Jesus has all authority, that he's worthy of all praise, that he's worthy of all glory, that he died on a cross rose from the grave, ascended into heaven to save us from our sins. But not only that, that he fills us with his spirit, that we become children of God, set apart for a purpose to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So in light of all that, that Jesus has authority to do all that, through his disciples, he says, go. I don't know about you, but over the years, as um, in all different workplaces that we'll kind of come to, we have a lot of meetings, don't we? Like our days can sometimes just get taken up with so many meetings. And I don't know if your experience is any similar to mine, but sometimes we can be in a meeting and we can be chatting and things are going on. And then you come out of the meeting and you think, what have we just accomplished there? What's actually gone? And is anyone in the same boat there? A lot of nodding heads there. I know you know what I'm talking about. We can come into meetings and we can feel like nothing's been accomplished. What was the point? And what are the action points and who's going to take care of that? 
And I feel here in Jesus' last meeting on this mountaintop, he leaves no room for ambiguity. They were clear on what the next steps were. Clearly, he's not telling his disciples, oh, stay, stay on top of this mountain, stay here and just hang out until I come back. Or He's not saying, go down, but just keep yourselves to yourselves and, you know, just disciple each other. But no, he was telling them to go and make this good news of the gospel known to the world. And he told them where to go, he said, to the nations. That word for nation is not limited just to that, the 200 or so countries that we might automatically jump to, but it, the, the wording behind it um, more accurately portrays all people groups, every tribe, every tongue, every nationality, people of the world. Jesus recognised that the disciples had reached a level of maturity in their faith with, and their walk with God, and now he expected that they would go and find others to minister to, to strengthen, and to pass on what they've learned. It's interesting that the, uh, the author of Hebrews, or the, the preacher uh, of the Hebrews, to the, the people that he's speaking to, he, he seems to link this ability to teach others with this maturity of faith. Maybe um, perhaps expressing a, some of his frustrations to the people he's speaking to, but he says this, he says, by now I thought you would have been able to teach others but instead you're still quite infant in your faith that you're you're not taking the things on board but you're remaining as as infants this idea of maturity and having the challenge to grow step by step over the years this idea of um, like being spiritually mature or mature christians has been something that's always been on my mind and one um, scripture that really challenged me on this is uh, proverbs 4:18. And it's an interesting scripture, but it paints a beautiful picture. It says this. It says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. That image of progression getting progressively brighter, step by step, moment by moment, building on the experience. We know this principle is true in, in the rest of the world, don't we? We see it all the time. The, the student studies to become an expert in their field. The builder works and refines his craft so that he can become a master of his craft. The footballer practices skills so that he can become a, become a better footballer, unless you're in a United fan, which I am not feeling too good about today's derby. But I remember when... Um, when I was 16, 17, I made the step into open age football and I, met, I went to join the Mighty Bridge FC. The Mighty Bridge. And um, I remember at the time, I was obviously like 16, 17, and the people that I was looking up to, it was your Wezzies, your Jenkies, your Morleys, still there, still involved. Um, but yeah, we, we, as young players, we'd be looking up to those guys because we know as soon as they do a big tackle we'd be ready to do a big tackle. And similarly, if we knew if we did a big tackle and someone on the opposition didn't like it, we knew that Wes, Jenky, Morley were right there to back us up. But it was the old, we looked to the older ones, the ones with the maturity to be able to help us with tactics, to be able to improve our game. We'd learn from those. And it's here what we say in a Christian sense as well, that we look to those that have been through stuff that can help us and challenge us and help shape our future. 
that image of becoming brighter and brighter, that others can benefit from that light on their journey and their walk with God. To become people of depth who we can eventually draw from the wells within us and pour in to others. You see, with that command to go came also the command, by implication, to leave something. Leave what, we might, um, what might seem comfortable, to leave perhaps a, a self-focused life and to go to an others-orientated life. Paul says it like this in Ephesians, uh, Philippians 2. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. It's a great challenge, isn't it? The call to go is a call to leave that self-focused, only self-focused life. I love that um, one of the names that the church or the body of Christ has given is the body of Christ, that God created us each with infinite value in his sight with unique giftings. Giftings distributed among us in a way that as a body, we are able to reach all people groups, every tribe, every tongue, like we talked about before. Some people may feel gifted to reach out to specific social groups outside of a church context, that you just have a a real grace to build conversation and be able to disciple people still learning about God. Some might have a a gifting or a grace just to be able to minister and disciple young people or children. Others might feel a gifting for new Christians, that you remember the confusion and the, the questions you had and how now you can pass some of your findings on to others. Or maybe you have a gifting to integrate with different cultures altogether on the other side of the world as we see so many of our missionaries doing to establish churches to help other disciples around the world. God has given us all different gifts to serve from which we can, and experiences from which we can then support and um, yeah, support others. Just as Cookie was saying before, that family, that we can be there for each other. As we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus, we become equipped to invest in each other and others. Though, the met- though our seasons of life change, though the methods of discipleship may change, the mission remains the same. Go and make disciples. Discipleship is missional. Secondly, discipleship is about longevity. Notice the way Jesus described the mission. He didn't just stop, but he, he continues to baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus could have stopped at go and make disciples, but he expanded because it was clear that our mission wasn't just to bring people to the point of um, being a Christian, but Beyond that, to help them walk in that vibrant life that God has called them to, to walk in that purpose that God has called them to. It takes time. It's not a quick task. Last year, I um, 
departed ways with my very first car, sad times. It was, um, I had a, a small um, bright blue Vauxhall Corsa, you might have seen that on the car park. Um, many that, that was mine. Um, and over the years, um, I had a lot of issues with it, it was, a, it was a very old car and through the natural wear and tear, as you, as you know, um, I had like oil failures, oil leakages and things like that and one time I'd just fixed my car, it's, it's cost a lot of money, my exhaust um, kept falling off as it does and um, I just paid out a lot of money to have that repaired and so I had no money, I was a student at the time, I had nothing in my account and something else went wrong, the engine kept misfiring. I was like, oh no, I'm never going to be able to afford to repair this car. So I, I rang up Vauxhall and I said, you know, what can I do? Can you help me out? And they said, without doing a, a diagnostic, we, we can't help you in any way. They said, but the diagnostic, if you bring it in, it's going to cost you 80 pounds on its own. <laughs> and I was a student, I was literally, I had, I had nothing there to give. And so I was desperate to find an alter, alternative motive, uh, means of fixing my car, so I searched the forums, we've all been there, we're on the forum, Google, trying to find it. And finally, I came across something for self-diagnosis, and it was called the pedal trick. Is anyone familiar with the pedal trick? I'm looking for some mechanics to nod their head as validation here, but no. <laughs> the pedal trick, here's how it works. So basically, and I'm not making this up, you basically, you put your, um, you turn your engine off, you put your foot down on the accelerator and on the brake, both of them at the same time, and then you put your key in and you turn it two clicks. Then when you turn it two clicks, you'll get a flashing on your dashboard. That flashing, oh, there's a nod of the head over there, someone knows what I'm talking about. That flashing is basically, it's more, you need to count the flashes because it's Morse code for like um, an error code, right? So then, you've got your error code, and then you can go and check that error code in your manual and it'll tell you exactly what the issue is. It sounds made up, but it worked a treat. I was able to find exactly what was wrong, what part it was, and it turned out to be a really cheap, quick and easy fix to a big problem that I had. Don't you wish discipleship was as simple as that sometimes? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if there was just five or six steps that we could do to grow spiritually or to help others develop. Wouldn't it be great if there was algorithms that would generate, guarantee success? But as we all know, there's no shortcut to discipleship. It's a lifelong commitment between believers where we all have each other's backs and are looking out for each other's development. You see, when we talk about building a church, we're not just talking about bricks and mortar. We're building lives, we're building families, we're building futures, we're building people, we're building hope, and we're building faith. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, let's be willing to journey alongside one another, lift one another up even when it gets messy, even when it gets uncomfortable. Hebrews puts it like this, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the days drawing nearer. 
maybe as I'm talking, maybe God's just giving you a little nudge and put someone on your heart of someone you maybe can get alongside and help their development. Or maybe you feel like you, you want to get developed and discipled yourself. But discipleship is missional and discipleship is about longevity. And finally, discipleship is multiplication. Go and make disciples of all nations. That was Jesus' blueprint for success. Multiplication. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I think of um, the Apostle Paul, and I won't go into to too much detail, but there is, um, throughout the, the, the New Testament, there's the... Um, the relationship between Paul, an apostle, and an experienced um, kind of member of the faith. And then there was Timothy, a, a younger guy. And you, we see glimpses of how Paul was able to train him up and to help him through the different things that he'd go through. Training him, correcting him, sharpening him, empowering him to then go and do the same for others. Paul says this at one point. He says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Again, that message of pass what you've learned on to someone else, to someone else. They can train someone else. When I was at, um, when I was at college, I, I studied physics at A-level. Big mistake. It was, uh, a lot of it went way over my head. There was just some crazy stuff going on in physics. But one thing that I did really enjoy, one thing that really interested me was the study of the stars. And there was one theory going around at one time, I'm not sure if it's been proven or disproven now, but at one time there was a theory that there were dark suns out there, that there was these stars and that they'd burnt themselves out, they'd burnt all the material and the gas that they'd have, and now they were kind of orbiting around the universe without producing any light or any heat. I don't know about you, but I've felt like a dark sun sometimes that we can be progressing in our faith but we can just think am I actually doing anything of value am I actually um, making a difference but you're not alone yeah. I think back to that mountainside where um, Jesus took his disciples in that like those final moments and you can imagine the confusion and the worry that kind of was across their faces he was saying listen I'm going but you're gonna continue the weight of that responsibility and they must be thinking how on earth are we going to be able to do that though the task seemed overwhelmingly great Jesus didn't leave them without help I am with you always he said see throughout the, the gospel of John if you ever get a chance to read that that you'll see um, over and over again Jesus reassures them he says listen I'm going but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit my spirit is going to be with you and he would work on their behalf you see, today the size of the task hasn't changed. It's still overwhelmingly big. It still seems impossibly large to accomplish. And if we're being honest, on our own, we will most likely fail. And we still do to this day. We do get it wrong. We do make mistakes, but we're learning. But discipleship is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of those things that we need to turn away from it's the Holy Spirit who stirs up that hunger to to love others and to serve others it's the Holy Spirit that opens the door to say God I'm yours God takes our best efforts and uses it for his glory and he'll do the rest 
on our own we can't change hearts and minds but as we embrace the will of God doing what he's called us to do we can then trust the results to him who is faithful to do what he said he'll do it's like Jesus said when he called his first disciples he said follow me and I will make you fishers of men it's all his doing his timing our responsibility is to obedience to follow him and the fruit will come discipleship is missional discipleship is about longevity and discipleship is about multiplication so wherever you are on your journey i hope you feel a kind of fresh enthusiasm and a concern about how to bring people to faith or how to develop faith in others so let's be a people that grow in the grace and the knowledge of god so that together we can faithfully continue in the mission that jesus left us to go and make disciples of all nations Amen. Amen. Amen.